around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. We got kind of a a pile of short treks dumped on us last week, and so we're we're cutting in. Yeah, we're cutting in in the middle of our of our schedule. Our regularly scheduled bye week. <laughs> yeah, and so we're kind of resetting the schedule so that it that it better matches up with the short treks releases to come. I think CBS should have done what we're doing on our behalf. They should have scheduled this so it fits with our podcast, you know? Nobody's paying for CBS All Access without us. It continues to be one of the more infuriating uh, UI situations (laughs) ever. Because no matter how often I watch a short tricks, it takes me eight clicks to get in there using the app. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't float the shows that you actually watch to the top. No. So, yeah. So you always have to go hunt for short tricks. Yeah. Oh, look at this! I was just trying to get the episode up on my computer here, uh, in case I wanted to refer to uh, a shot or something, and I, uh, I clicked the episode and I get an unexpected condition was encountered. VCI mm. error, initializing RCO colon IMA, SDK is missing, error code 1001. Any ideas what to do? Do I uh, pull out the cartridge and blow in it? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there. Tell you one thing, though. I would rather die before I watch an episode of Young Sheldon. So stop <laughs> trying to push that on me on the top line of this app like (laughs) you would think the programming like programmatically they would understand that that a user account that only watches star trek or short treks will not watch uh the good wife or whatever i've heard that the uh that the good fight is a good show though that very well may be ben but do i need to click past it 14 times to get to the show that i actually watch you don't. You shouldn't have to. It's like that theory of, of grocery store design, like how they put the milk on the opposite side of, of the produce. Oh, yeah. They want oh, you to yeah. walk through Young Sheldon in order to get to Short Treks, and I don't like it. I resent it. They put the, sh- the cheap shows on the end caps to make mm. you think that there's good stuff down that aisle. <laughs> <laughs> That's it exactly. Yeah. Oh, this aisle's going to have some deals. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> more young Sheldon. The theory is that if we can just irritate our customers into into watching or buying our programming, that'll work out best for us in the long run, right? How are we going to trick more people into watching NCIS? <laughs> Nobody's going to do it because they set out to watch NCIS, but if we can trick them... <laughs> God, if only. Give me all the LL Cool J shows. Give me them all. <laughs> There should be fewer NCIS shows and just more LL shows. Yeah. The LL expanded universe. I got a friend who works in as a uh, as an AD in television and he does a lot of reality shows but he also does a lot of award shows and he mm. told me that LL Cool J is on speed dial at all award shows because he's been on he, he's I think he said he'd been on 3 award shows over the course of his career where 
like on a last minute basis, LL Cool J came in and hosted the show and just hit dingers all night because <laughs> he's great at hosting. That's why he keeps getting those gigs. Hey, uh, Ben, do you have an LL Cool J impression? Because uh, because I've got one. Oh, do you? Yeah. So here's what you do. Do it together with me, okay? Okay. So right. so look into the camera. The camera's right in front of you. That's the one mm-hmm. thing with the tally light. And <laughs> I want you to turn your head to the left uh, uh, 45 degrees, okay? But keep your mm-hmm. eyes on the camera and the tally light. Okay. I want you. I want you to take your right hand. And am I, I am I eventually going to kiss a bird, <laughs> like he does take, in Deep Blue Sea? Take your right hand and make a, a, a gun out of your your fingers, right? Okay. So, so pinky ring middle into a fist, but pointer out, thumb out. Okay. All right. Now I want you to take the fingertips of your pointer and your thumb, touch the sides of your lips, and just sort of like <laughs> give it a little, give it a little kissy. Yeah. And then wink at the camera. That's LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what makes him so great. That's got a lot, a lot of verisimilitude. I'm I'm not wearing a Kangol. Yeah. And that would really take it over the take it over the line. Yeah, yeah, that really does it. There's only one LL Cool J. He's hard as hell. He'll battle anybody. <laughs> you just Jackie and Lori'd me a picture of your LL. It is an excellent LL Cool J, <laughs> Ben. Uh, yeah. Master of impressions on the Greatest Generation. That's I, I wish I had the abs to to go with that impression, though. Was, wasn't there a music video that LL did? Uh, it was Hey Lover, right? And the whole video was him just doing bench press exercises. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that video. Oh, man. There was a time when Hey Lover was like... The Zeitgeist music video. I think LL had kind of passed his prime by the time I became aware of popular music. Ladies love Cool James. Still do. I am shocked at how much uh, LL Cool J conversation we've had on the program so far. LL nowhere to be seen. Oh man, he's wearing the snow beach uh, polo jacket in this video. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Wait, is that the Snow Beach polo jacket? Or is that just like a cheap knockoff? I, I doubt it would be a cheap knockoff. Come on. No, because the Snow Beach polo jacket says Snow Beach on it, and this one does not. Hmm. There you go. Uh, shout out to the lowheads in the Greatest Gen <laughs> slash Greatest Discovery <laughs> listenership. All negative six of them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't Happy think we have, have any, board. any listeners that regularly attend the low goose on the deuce? I think the Venn diagram is is greatest generation listeners, and then that other circle has been thrown into the bushes <laughs> across the street. I was in a conversation the other night where we were talking about why does Ralph Lauren get to design the Olympic look for uh-huh. Team USA every year? Uh-huh. And I was like, because he's a, the most important American sportswear designer. And, like, four heads just turned and looked at me and jaws dropped that I would make an assertion like that. <laughs> I love that that's how you skip records at parties. <laughs> yeah. That's a good time. Boy, uh, we're, we're going to be attending the same parties soon. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, but one party that we've got to attend uh, on this very episode is the discussion of this latest short trick spin. What do you say we get into the thing? 
It's uh, it's the second short treks in season two, and it's called The Trouble with Edward. They always have a little bit of fun with how they do the uh, motherfucker. This fucking interface is so bad. <laughs> Leave this in, Rob. <laughs> You know how when you pause CBS All Access in the browser, it takes the video down to like a little picture-in-picture size? Uh Uh-huh. Which is very frustrating if you're trying to do a screen grab or something. Hmm. I just tried to play it, and it kept the video down in in picture-in-picture size. Uh. The the Enterprise has arrived at Prajean 63, where it is uh, going to drop off one of its newly minted engineers turned captain to uh, take command of the Cabot. She's a science officer turned captain, I thought. She is great. Great enough that a uh, friend of the program, Anson Mount, is sorry to see her go. But uh, yeah. unfortunately, she will be taking command of the Frisbee golf class Cabot. God fucking damn it. <laughs> you got to say it, not me. It's fine. I wrote it down also. All right. Well, let's talk about the conversation between friend of the program, Anson Mount, and uh, and new captain, Lynn Lucero. Yeah, Lynn Lucero getting uh, getting her first commish, so uh, he's given the kind of like, uh, at a girl, and also, uh, you know, some some fatherly advice, some, uh, some friendly captain-to-captain advice. Uh, he starts with a, a bit, which is, uh, don't show them any weakness or they'll eat you alive, which is an uh, an edict I think Anson Mount lives his life by. Right. So many a truth told in jest kind mm. of a, kind of an advice. Yeah. Um, but he also says like, you're going to, you're going to find that there are people that are not at your level. And he, uh, he does that thing where he holds his hand up and then points, you know, through it at the transporter chief <laughs> to, to indicate for example, this guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, yeah, but I'm sure there will also be like people that are even smarter than me on that ship. And, and I'm looking forward to it. She's an optimist. Great rapport between them. Yeah. This Rosa Salazar was the star of last summer's Alita Battle Angel, which was a great big movie. I didn't recognize her because they gave her great big eyes in that film. She has such big sparkly eyes in real life. I don't know why they needed to make them even bigger and more sparkly in that. I think she was great casting in this. I liked that Alita Battle Angel movie. I never saw it. You probably saw it on an airplane, right? (laughs) Where you see everything the way it was meant to be seen. It was a movie that I regretted not seeing in the theater when I saw it on the seven-inch screen seat back screen on an airplane because it's uh it's it's a it's full of spectacle i wonder what jonathan frakes thought when he looked over at your seat back television screen and saw you watching <laughs> alita battle angel you probably asked to be moved right that's part of the story you didn't tell me you know good and well that i only did crossword puzzles on that flight adam yeah i did not want him to think anything about me <laughs> Oh, he thinks something about you, Ben. I'm positive. God damn it. <laughs> Similar story happened to a young man in the Pacific Northwest about 20 years ago. Like, everybody is in, in uniform in this scene, except for the one lady next to the captain is just in a sweatshirt with a with a Starfleet badge. Yeah. Casual Friday? I don't know. 
I might not put on the sweatshirt when when pikes do to transport a captain off ship. Oh wait, there's another sweatshirt in this scene. One of the dudes has a sweatshirt also. Wonder what that's about. Somebody pointed out online that uh, in the last Short Treks episode, there was a dude wearing a scant uniform. I know. I am frequently frustrated by the introduction of costuming on the show that we can't buy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to revisit this uh this beef later on because there's a there's definitely a piece of costume i want to buy that we see later that is uh just just so tantalizing it's right there yeah make it a thing they're having this mclaughlin group issue one and uh they're kind of going down the line it's on the cabot yeah uh, on the on the frisbee golf Mm -hmm. because uh the the problem that they're trying to uh to solve is that this this planet uh they're in orbit of is on the frontier between the Federation and the Klingons, and it is uh, on the brink of collapse because the people are starving, and so they're trying to they're trying to come up with some in- interventions that they can do to to boot up this planet's ability to generate food for its people, and uh, there's a lot of ideas, a lot of them sound slow. They're like altering the pH of the of the soil. Is one of the ideas, and uh, you know, like the the timelines don't sound like urgent health crisis level timelines. They sound like, yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll have these guys squared away in a decade or so, and then we uh, the camera pans over and we find H. John Benjamin. It's it's just me. Best in the biz. Yeah. When one was the, the last greats. time you uh, you attended a staff meeting where you were seated at a table and a manager figure was? pointing a finger gun around that table, asking for updates on things. This is a, like, I felt a great amount of anxiety here, just like our pal Edward Larkin did. It's tough. I, uh, the last time I had anything like that, I guess, was in 2016 when I had that uh, media company job. Yeah. And I, uh, my desk was also, like, right outside my boss's office and and there was just a, a glass he, he he worked in a fishbowl style uh-huh. you know open concept office a fishbowl class office yeah and uh and and i was just like right in front of him so oh no i, I always had an update because there was no there was no escape you know yeah <laughs> did you have to put on one of those screen protectors that you can only look at at a certain angle i thought about that frequently that cuts both ways, right? Like if you get yeah. one, it all it also looks like you're trying to hide something. Yeah, I'm. De- I'm. You know, whenever I'm in uh, in a auto rental place or something like that, and I I see that they have those screen protectors, I'm always craning my neck to see if right. I can catch a peek of whatever it is. You know, <laughs> somebody's rental history. Ooh, what if I find it out? H. John Benjamin is uniquely great at presenting an air of confident stupidity. Like, yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's making it seem like he does, and that's the funny part. The case that is made about his character is that he is, like, an incredibly narrow talent. Yeah. That he is spectacularly good at, and that is 
something to do with protein. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's really bad at everything else. <laughs> like, uh, like bad at everything else down to, like, his estimation of whether other people are experiencing reality the same way he is. <laughs> There's some narrative sleight of hand here that makes him look worse than I think he actually is. And it took watching this short a couple of times to get it. Like, the problem of finding a food source is extreme. Like, it is the number one problem they're trying to solve. And yet, for some reason, that is downplayed in the face. Like, as soon as as Edward Larkin talks about eating the Tribbles, it's made into this absurdity. Right. But from his perspective, he is trying to solve a problem here. Yeah, I wondered if it was inspired by that thing where North Korea got a bunch of, like, giant bunny rabbits and they were saying that they were going to start breeding these this giant type of bunny rabbit to feed their populace oh that's great that's because it's like it's it's a very similar like like kind of gross right it's like it's a it's an animal that most people think of as cute and suddenly you have to contemplate shucking it like a scallop (laughs) that word and the way h john benjamin says it like a scallop is brilliant his <laughs> his read on that word makes me laugh every time blood red i didn't know anything about this short check going in i didn't realize that he was going to be in it because he wasn't in the uh in the little postage stamp that yeah. you click to play the episode and when i started watching him i was just laughing like yeah. i i thought it was really funny he doesn't even have to do anything to be funny he's that kind of natural talent he's great it is very rare that Star Trek sets the challenge for itself. Let's do a funny thing and nails it this hard. Yeah, but uh, you can you can count on H. John Benjamin to do it. Yeah, the main takeaway of this scene is that Edward has been humiliated in front of everyone. Yeah, and he can't have that. No, and uh, the next scene, you know, brilliantly underscores that. He's, like, hanging around in the lunchroom trying to uh, take a straw poll from uh, one of the other officers that was in that room. Like, yeah, like, she really sucks, right? (laughs) (laughs) New boss, woof. Yeah, we get some quick cuts around to to truly understand the depth of Edward's pain. We get that scene at the rebel mat. We get the scene in the lab where he's jealous of his coworker receiving this approval that he, that he didn't get like that trill lady has a real, has a real wide stripe of spots too. Yeah. Like I, I watched this right on the heels of watching a deep space nine episode and having a direct comparison to Jadzia Dax's like maybe one inch wide stripe of spots this lady has like a full two and a half inches going down the side of her face was she implanted with a chode trill like is there a a width of trill that translates to the width of the spots she's got a a very thick ankylosaur (laughs) you know we're gonna have to make this y incision into more of a t incision you know what i mean (laughs) t for thick yeah it's on the heels of this trill receiving her approval that uh that edward introduces a mist into the triple chamber before being called into a meeting with captain lucero and the meeting does not go well enterprise it's uh, it sure doesn't he's been uh trying to file 
uh, complaints with HR about the new captain. Word came back to her pretty quickly that this was happening, and it did not take her uh, long to figure out who had, had been sending them. I think this is the scene that you cast for this moment, because it's just two people at a desk, and you need someone who can hit the ball back comedically with John Benjamin. And I think Rosa Salazar has a thing about her face that I'm really envious of. A thing that I get dinged on all the time is how my face just kind of betrays me and my true feelings, (laughs) especially when I don't want the person I'm talking to to feel bad about something. Often my face will make them feel bad. Yeah, that's why you're such a naturally terrible poker player. (laughs) But... Captain Lucero and Rosa Salazar playing her has this sort of openness in her expression where you know she's frustrated and she and you know she hates Edward, but her face is almost like it's almost sunny in in this bemusement of this terrible person in, seated <laughs> right. in front of her. It's it's such a it's such a narrow place for an expression and I think it's perfect in serving the comedy of it. Because if she were scowling, like, that's a totally different yeah. feeling, and I don't think it works comedically. I think uh, if if this scene doesn't work for you, like, the whole episode won't work for you. Yeah, yeah. And I really like it, and I think that the thing that I thought about a lot in this scene was this is, like, one of her first tough command decisions, you know? Like, mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's been captain for, like, a day, as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> and... Already she's got this this dope trying to undercut her authority and uh and that's gonna you know, she's she's young, she's uh she's out, you know, on her own. There's nowhere the the buck stops with her, so she's gotta solve this problem and that's uh that's devastating. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially because she went in with the expectation of working with people smarter than she was. Like Right. It's got to be, you got to get the bends coming off of the entrepreneur and, and being stationed on the Cabot in that way, right? Yeah. Do you think they called it the Cabot because this episode's got a lot of cheese? I was just allowing time for the sitcom laugh there. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Very funny. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> The uh, the tribbles start, uh, you know, it's like a, a mogwai sprayed with water, right? Yeah, it really feels like gremlins from here here to the end, for sure. Lots of uh, lots of baby tribbles popping off, and uh, there's a a great shot of H. Uh, John Benjamin walking out of his apartment, bleary eyed and sleepy, as uh, an alarm sounds and. All of his crewmates run down the hallway because there's been a breach in a lab. And uh, we cut to a very funny wide shot of uh, revealing that he's just in his tidy whities and his, like, no-show socks with his <laughs> sleepy time sweater. I love editing for comedy like this. Oh, like, man. well fucking done, guys. Yeah. And so this funny. now cements Red Starfleet pajamas into into canon like yeah the first time we saw them was in the culber stamets cross toothbrush scene Mm -hmm. and now we get a return to the red pajamas again ben i want to buy red starfleet pajamas yeah and there's no place for me to do that 
we got to get John Van Sitters on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Where is this? Where is the data and Jordy in a uh, in a shuttle pod uh, window reflector to keep my car cool in the summer? I don't understand. Should we form a company and license the Star Trek brand and just put these things out ourselves? Okay. How hard would that be to do? It, these ideas would pay for all of that. Like yeah. they pay for themselves. Even if we break even, if I got the jammies and the and the window reflector, I feel like it'd be worth it. Agreed. Here's a sea planet deep. Seas can earn their board and keep. We cut to a very fun montage set to the Johnny Appleseed song. <laughs> there are a couple of scenes in this episode that make you feel like you've gone insane and i think this is one of them like you just don't see a star trek episode set to this kind of music and whether or not absurdity agrees with you in the context of a star trek program i think will determine whether you like this episode i thought it was also kind of brilliant because like this isn't a a song that i have on repeat on my ipod Mm -hmm. so the initial music cue when it's just the instrumental part does really sound like tos silly time music yeah it also planted a a theory that i have about this episode as the lyrics fade out we come to a scene in the mess hall where the trill science officer and the captain are talking about how the ship has like mere hours of life support left given the uh, the rapid rate at which these tribbles are reproducing and they're reproducing fast because uh, Edward genetically altered them to reproduce faster. He said he said in the McLaughlin group that they uh, they are very slow to reproduce, and that was one thing that they had to find a work around for. And in this mess hall, McLaughlin group issue two, he reveals that he implanted his own DNA mm-hmm. in them. So here's my question for you, Adam: Is the Johnny Apple seed? song implying that he busted nut on a triple and that's how he (laughs) how he got the dna into them was the mist that was introduced to the triple (laughs) in the cage the the dna that we're talking about i don't know and if it is did edward bust into a test tube and then put that test tube into a vaporizer right and then and then spray jizz vapor into there's there's a lot of ways that this could have happened i think the comedy is in the idea of him fucking one of these right but yeah but all of the seed talk in that song just just put me in a certain frame of mind and then yeah the way he's like sitting back in his seat kind of like post-coital relaxation look to him I love how uninterested he is in helping at this point, too. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, he's like, he's already been fired. And he also makes the case that, that they should eat them. He keeps going back to it. Like, if everyone eats these things, we won't have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a throwaway line here, but it's great. He's fairly consistent with what yeah. he thinks the course of action should be. Yeah. the uh, uh, It doesn't seem like they've really, like, gone... Uh, gone ham on these tribbles yet. Like, they've got a guy walking around in the background with a giant vac pack mm-hmm. trying to suck up tribbles, but he's clearly not sucking up tribbles as fast as he can. 
and uh, and that's when they break out the pelican cases full of phaser rifles, and then it's like full human on triple combat through to the end of the episode. It sure. I mean, as much as we like Captain Lucero, it feels like venting compartments into space should have been on the list of possible options here. Because we get a couple of very fun exterior shots of like sort of a rising waterline of Tribbles on some decks. Yeah. I sort of wondered why they didn't do that, though. Like the just like everybody get in shuttles and then we'll open the ship up to the vacuum. Mm hmm. Like we'll kill all these dribbles and then we can, and then we can get back to work. You know, I think the answer occurs in that first staff meeting when they're trying to establish whether or not they're sentient, and I think that question goes unanswered. Maybe right. they they make no attempt to murder them all because of that. Oh yeah, because they do set the phasers to stun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That also supports that argument. So maybe. Uh, well, they wind up having to abandon ship and the. You know, the captain is, like, trying to be the last person off the ship. Uh, she's holding Tribbles back with her phaser rifle, but uh, but Edward is standing there in the hallway explaining that he's not going to go with them. He uh, feels that he's made a very important scientific discovery. He's not dumb. You're dumb. Famous last words of the dumb. She's like... My bosses and told them I was dumb. I'm dumb didn't come up until you brought it up. <laughs> I'm not a sick person. You're a very sick person. Yeah. I'm an extremely stable genius, and you're bad. This scene is great. And it had to end like this, right? The captain is backing up into the yeah. escape pod. The wave is approaching. It's like water coursing around a curve in a canyon, kind of the way the tribbles are, are filling the ship up at this point. I love the effect. It it really looks that way. It's a, yeah. it's a really unique take on it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The button on the episode is the obvious hearing at Starfleet where the captain is presumably being court-martialed or or uh, you know brought before a panel of admirals to explain how she lost a ship that the uh, invasive tribal species took over this planet they had to evacuate the uh the civilization that was there <laughs> like this this is a like talk about your all-time major fuck-ups yeah and uh and you really feel bad for her you know like how is she going to talk her way out of this she the buck does stop with her as the captain but also this just ran away from her control so fast that uh it's hard to imagine any way around it it reduces her possible responses to to the questions to that one simple answer she has and that really is a very efficient way of telling the story of what happened to her ship mm -hmm. and it's a question i've had that i think the both of us have had for a long time how much destruction could one bad faith operator do on a federation starship yeah a lot. <laughs> yeah, turns out it is a ton. He was an idiot. Yeah, so we get a post-credits commercial parody, which uh, you should definitely go back and watch if you haven't already. I love that, that there's like an 80s Saturday morning 
mid-cartoon commercial vibe to it. Yeah. It is an absurd cherry on an absurd cake. Did you like that cake, Ben? I liked the cake, and I loved the cherry. (laughs) Yeah, you got to eat that cherry. Mm Mm-mm. How about you? Did you like the cake? I fucking loved it, and I was shocked to see how mixed the the feelings were about this episode. Like the same old shit that we hear all the time about Discovery not being a real Star Trek. Those Mm. people came out in force against the trouble with Edward, but I respect the hell out of the big swing that this took. Star Trek is not a property that does comedy well and and this whether or not it's star trek is great comedy yeah this is really funny it was so funny throughout the whole thing one thing i thought about watching it was that i was alone in my living room laughing out loud and i think that like we've talked about that before like if something can get you to laugh out loud when you're by yourself and no one is around to like share the laugh with yeah it's, uh, that's, huge. that's that's very genuine laughter. Uh, one of the reasons I think this episode was so funny is that it was written by Graham Wagner, uh, whose credits include shows like uh, Silicon Valley, Portlandia, and The Office. And there definitely felt like there were those contemporary television comedy aspects to this. This felt like it was in very good hands in that way. Definitely. Uh, God, it was... I I really love this episode, and I hope this foreshadows what may be coming in a show like uh, Lower Decks. You know, when you get... When you get comic writers with real bona fides working on this stuff, I think the results can be really great, and I think this gives me a lot of hope for what that could be. Yeah, me too. I really think this is one of my favorite Star Trek things in a long time the short tricks. Like, I really think, like, I don't want to undersay it. I know that that's a big thing to say, but yeah. I, I think it's spectacular. That's going to be controversial, Adam, but uh, yeah. I respect the hell out of it. <laughs> do you want to, uh, do you want to check and see if we have any priority one messages on this a week earlier than anticipated episode of the greatest discovery? Sure do. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, Ben, we've got nothing in the Priority One message inbox. Fuck! Is this podcast about to go the way of the Cabot? I would like to see our Priority One message inbox fill up like so many tribbles. I would like Priority One messages that arrive pregnant with other Priority One messages. (laughs) I would like to fuck a Priority One message with my (laughs) DNA. It's in your blood. Sending a priority one message is easy to do. All you have to do is go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200. And look, you can reach every vessel in Starfleet by sending one of these. You can. Whenever we read one on our wildly popular show, it reaches so many people. It does. And uh, it, it means the world to us. So, uh... Looking forward to uh, our next episode, which is in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll have P1s on that. Yeah, get in there. Get in the box. What's in the box? (laughs) 
Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I going to have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I did. I mean, this episode is rich with Shimoda. Shimoda's. Yeah. Uh, I give it to Pike, though, for yeah. clearly calling that uh, that transporter chief a dumb right in front of his face. Yep. 
He's the kind of captain that I think could embarrass you and make you feel bad about it or embarrass you and make you feel like my captain's pretty cool. Yeah. And I'll take his ship because he's that cool. Yeah. He's a fun captain. Uh, I think we're both avoiding the obvious Shimoda, which is Edward. Edward is not my Shimoda. My Shimoda is Noel. Edward is like is like up there with all-time Shimoda status, though, right? Yeah. Like, I think honorary Shimoda should go to Edward to the degree that we should almost rename it for him. Right. Uh, my Edward Larkin for this episode is going to be Noel, though. Noel is the guy at that first conference room that Edward says... He fed one of the first Tribbles, too, because yeah. Noel is a foodie. <laughs> and Noel's face here is one of the great... Uh, you know, sometimes when you're at one of these meetings, you don't want to be noticed. And a great way to not be noticed is to just, just, just sort of be looking at your work in front of you. Yeah. he. Uh, I think he glances at the captain before turning away suddenly and kind of like, no, nah, that's not true. <laughs> sort of just dis- disputes Edward's uh, assertion about about them dining on triples. But then the very next scene at the replimat, Edward gauges support for his idea that the captain is a dumb. <laughs> and Noel is the guy at the replimat getting his big salad. And he is just <laughs> not having it. Yeah. So like bang, bang scenes for Noel here made him my Edward Larkin for the up. We're going to need a new drop here. So join me in song adam edward larkin all right i think disco going forward we got edward larkin now wow i think that makes a lot of sense well adam uh we got another episode coming up in a couple of weeks and i think it is high time we crack into these star trek discovery aftermath comics Yeah, we got to do that, and we have a few episodes in which to do it. Uh, Many of our Greatest Discovery episodes will be short treks related uh, before the the Picard premiere, but we do have some space to revisit the Star Trek Discovery comic series, and I think that would be good work to do before the next season. Yeah, I think we'll probably do issues one and two of Star Trek Discovery Aftermath in two weeks, and then I think it's a short trek after that, and then we'll grab three and four after that so that will be the next three episodes it's going to be like an every other one situation yeah until picard so uh i'm looking forward to all of that stuff and uh if you think that the uh the comic book recap episodes are boring fuck you (laughs) we're not the dumb ones you're the dumb one (laughs) yeah you logged into reddit to say that Take it away, Robs. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, we'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.